the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Friday afternoon, 6.05, New York City. I am so excited. We have an unbelievable show. I have my dear friend, my uncle, my mentor, my my buddy, my brother, uh, all of, all wrapped up in one, Geraldo Rivera. He is going to be on the show the whole time with us today. Um, I just, in breaking news from the quintessential New Yorker, Phantom of the Opera is closing after 35 years on Broadway, the longest running show in Broadway history. Go see it. Go see it. If you've seen it once, if you've seen it twice, if you haven't seen it at all, you better go and see it. Mario D. Romano went and saw it last night. He said it's tighter than ever. Uh, that's in his top three uh, most favorite shows. Um, it was a very, very busy week at ABK. Um, court and, and bar association functions and, and uh, the, obviously... Some radio show action. I'm very excited. I am so happy to be speaking to Geraldo Rivera. He really is an American icon. He's been on the air for 50 years, and he spent 50-plus years, and he spent so much time with us. So I hope you enjoy the next part of this show as much as I have. It's really, really special. Well, what a personal treat and privilege this is for me. Um, an individual, my first TV appearance was during law school where we went to go see the uh, Geraldo Rivera show and it was a live studio audience and the subject matter had to do with um, putting uh, metal detectors in nightclubs and in places where you normally wouldn't see them. And I stood up and I asked a question. I do not remember what the question was, but Geraldo Rivera, the superstar, called upon me. And there I was on national television asking a question on the Geraldo Rivera show. And that was when I was in law school. So this is like 30 plus, almost 40 years ago. And now in my office in Manhattan on 45th and 5th, sitting across from me is a man who... Uh, he wears so many different hats in my life. I will say we're going to have a conversation with him. It's going to be one of those rare conversations for Geraldo Rivera and I where there is not a libation uh, between us. Uh, there's only coffee and water in front of us, so you're going to get the straight poop uh, unfettered with alcohol. But um, he's sometimes my brother. Uh, he's sometimes my uncle. He's often my mentor. He's someone I could count on, someone I could lean on, someone who I look to uh, as a role model for as a husband, because the way he treats Erica is on a whole other level. Uh, he's someone who I look for towards as a role model, as a father, 
because his relationship with all five of his children is spectacular. More than anything, as when I'm being selfish, I just like to hang out with him. We really have a, we just really have a good time together, and it's never boring. It's never dull. There's always something when the when the conversation it, it gets a little bit like quiet. I'm like, so Geraldo, uh, tell me about when you met Mick Jagger. Geraldo, tell me about how you sat on the bed with Yoko Ono and, and John Lennon. And he's got those stories at the tip of his, tips of his fingers. So, without further ado, here on the Author Idola Power Hour, the great Geraldo Rivera. Hello, Uncle Geraldo. Hi, I am very happy to be here. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction, Arthur. Let me ask you, I'm going to start right off. You know, your, your legacy is tremendous. If there's one interview that you've done that you would want to be remembered for, and I'll, as I look at my grandfather's uh, hat that he wore, he had a long career box, in the boxing world as a boxing judge. And obviously the pinnacle was Ali Frazier. That was the greatest fight of all time and uh, the biggest hype fight of all time, and he was one of the judges there. So that's, that's his crowning achievement. What is it for Geraldo? You know, I probably have done 10,000 stories, and it's very difficult to pick one generally. I, I mean, I interviewed Fidel Castro, Yasser Arafat, uh, Charles Manson, uh, famously in, uh, in San Quentin when he, uh, you know, he wasn't on death row, but he was there for multiple life sentences. Uh, and he threatened to have, if he didn't like the way the interview came out, my head dismembered, you know, decapitated and delivered to it's my a little, wife. A little he, pressure. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I told them that if anything happened to me, the Mexicans in San Quentin would set them on fire. They, that was the thing they were doing at that time, using the, the, uh, the Zippo lighters and the, like flamethrowers. But every rock star, you, you mentioned Jagger and John Lennon was so near and dear. The Zapruder film, showing the Zapruder film of the Kennedy assassination for the first time. You know, t talking about AIDS, uh, you know, using that word AIDS on national television for the first time back in 1983. But if, if your brother Craig is here. A hundred years from now, when he has to do the compilation of Geraldo's greatest hits, and Willowbrook goes in its own category. What, 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 tell Craig right here while he's here. What, what do you want him? What do you want him to lead with? Which, which one of those two or three do you want to be at the headline? Willowbrook is its own category, but Willowbrook is my defining moment. Willowbrook is really why I'm still here at the age of seventy-nine, still, uh, you know, on a first-name basis with New Yorkers, particularly because it affected so many people. And right to today, I, I have people come up to me and say, my uncle was there, my cousin was there, my sibling was there. This is what I'm thinking. That was over 50 years ago. Over 50 years ago. But so it's still real. I, so, but you're almost saying that you, you reached your peak in your 20s. I did. The rest of my life to Willowbrook has been a follow-up. You know, and I feel that way. It was my defining moment in every regard. It was where my feistiness, where my ambition, where my physical courage, where my, uh, you know, vision or ability to listen to experts and form an opinion. Uh, it was where, you know, you mentioned how Ali Frazier. That was around the same time. <laughs> it was around the same time. But 71. Re remember what Ali, Ali lost a lot of years with that draft. So, so we, it may have already been past his peak. This was my exact physical peak, my mental peak. I was full of piss and vinegar. I was had a career that was already happening. I was already a star. And I took that and I found out 
quietly what was the way to treat this population, you know, in so, these small community-based residences, and went with it. And, uh, you know, it's I'm, I don't exaggerate when I say that my life, my professional life, peak then. I mean, then I went on to be the war correspondent and all the rest of it. Well, that. let's roll back. Why were you already a star? What made you a star before you got to Willowbrook? I was the first rock and roll newsman. I was the first. I what was, does that mean? I, I was the first. I had long hair. I was, uh, you know, uh, dope smoker. Uh, I was an ass kicker. I was Anybody punk- who says they show dope, by the way, was a slang term <laughs> many decades ago for marijuana. Right, <laughs> right. You know, I, I was... Popular, I, I, you know, I was married to Kurt Vonnegut's daughter. This is when you were living on Avenue C. Avenue C. I was living Avenue C. With your buddy Leo, who's still your friend today, still right? my friend, right? And um, how about you know? You, so you're this young rock and roll guy. You're in a Eyewitness News, correct? Yep. What was the degree of jealousy surrounding you? Were you treated differently by management because you had reached this star status? And what about the other people who had been there for forever? You know how pugnacious and, uh, you know, how I, I, my, I, my whole life was on a hair trigger. If you insulted me or looked at me sideways, or what, what, what do you, you know, you push me, I push you back. Right, you all know? 140 pounds. All of you, 140 okay. pounds soaking wet. <laughs> uh, but I had, I, I tell you a quick story. I was on uh, Palika Street and the the hotel is right, right there on, on Bleecker. And, and I was going to do a fashion show because they didn't want me to do too many serious stories because they didn't have a true journalist background. I kind of got drafted into the profession. That's a whole other story I can talk about. But uh, so I was with my cameraman walking toward the hotel to do this fashion show because I was the rock and roll newsman. And all of a sudden, somebody jumped right in front of us to his death. And it turned out that it was uh, and, and then once the, the, the corpse hit plop right in front of us and my camera got the, the jump on camera because he was there. Look up, look, look up. Uh, you know, and they actually got the film silent footage of the guy falling and jumping and splattering right in front of us. So as we're watching this unbelievable sight and totally unexpected, a a young man comes up to me and grabs me by the lapels and says, that's my twin brother. They were the twin the twin sons of a Marine Corps colonel from the San Francisco Bay Area. Both got hooked on heroin. They embarked on this nationwide odyssey, came to New York. So now the, 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 the travel was over. Now there's nothing to do. So the one brother decided to take his own life. The other one you know, was right there. And because of my experience, I was living on the Lower East Side. I knew all about junkies, uh, you know, all around me and all the rest of it. I knew how to handle that interview. And overnight, I became like the ghetto reporter. I became and it and news didn't go into the the it didn't go into Harlem, really, or Spanish Harlem or the South Bronx or the Lower East Side. Uh, you know, the, the news. You also had that hook with the Young Lords, right? That was before I, I, that's how I got discovered, representing the Young Lords. Well, what were the Young Lords? Who were the Young Lords? Young Lords were a group of basically stateside Puerto Ricans, activists, young, mostly men, but plenty of women also, uh, who were fighting not for the liberation of Puerto Rico, which was the way, that was where Puerto Rican activists directed their energy was to get Puerto Rico liberated from the United States, where it was considered and still is by many, including me, a colony of the United States. I think Puerto Rico should be a state, but the young lords wanted Puerto Rico to be free. But more importantly, they wanted Puerto Ricans in the United States to have their rights represented. They wanted in East Harlem for all the children to have lead paint poisoning testing. They wanted free breakfast programs for the poor children. 
they wanted uh, access to these, in this particular case, the church. We're in the late 60s building. we're talking no, about. No, no, this is, uh, yeah, 69. That, that, that would be the late 60s. Yeah, 68, 69, and 70. Okay. So um, I was a little, little boy. All right, we're going to take a quick break with our interview here with Araldo Rivera, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. So let's get serious for a second and talk about our friends at Connors and Sullivan, because there's a real deadline coming up. The legislature changed some laws and you need to act now to make sure your family is protected. Basically, under the new law that comes into place on January 1st, 2023, the government is going to look back and see what you've done with your money over the last 30 months. So basically two and a half years and to see if they're able to claw back any gifts that you've given to family members or anything along that sort where you were hiding money or giving money away so that you were eligible for uh, benefits specifically home care benefits. Financial transfers must be made and benefits applications must be submitted before December 31st to ensure eligibility and protect your assets. So Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, are experts in this area and can help you get in under the deadline. But you must start the process as soon as possible before the start of December to complete by the end of the year. So don't hesitate. This is a real deadline. We're not making this up. Look up the law on your own. Home care benefits in the state of New York. So call Connors and Sullivan today. Don't delay. It's 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. This is Greg Floyd, president of Teamsters Local 237. Join me for Reaching Out. We'll talk about the issues that matter the most to working families, union members, and everyone who cares about the future. On the next Reaching Out, Greg Floyd welcomes Troy Walcott, president and founder of People's Choice Communications, about Local 3 members being forced into a multi-year strike against Spectrum Cable. Listen to Reaching Out with Greg Floyd Saturday night at 7 with an Encore Saturday night at 1130 on AM970, The Answer. Everyone needs a place to call home. Tune in to Ion Real Estate for the latest news on real estate. It's a seller's market right now, so let Dottie and her team of experts help you navigate the tricky waters of real estate. Tune in every Saturday as Citizens Bank Senior Vice President Ace joins Dottie and offers listeners free advice on the mortgage process. Join in every Saturday morning at 10. Again, that's every Saturday morning at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2600. Welcome back, folks. I'm so excited to be back here with my uncle, Geraldo Rivera. And now you get into Eyewitness News. You become the star, the rock and roll reporter. You, you do Willowbrook. And in your book, Exposing Myself, you talk about a degree of depression after Willowbrook, because I guess there's such a high. And then, you know, you, you got to find what's the like, how do I top Willowbrook? Right. Well, a lot of the energy I squandered on romance and my personal indulgences. 
and became a playboy kind of uh, person, you know, uh, parlaying my fame into access to, you know, romantic partners I wouldn't have ever dreamed of, you know, seeing in my real life before I became this person. This personality. There were some people in that mix that had some. Uh, Yeah, right. Listen, I wasn't even going to go down this road. You brought it up, but you know. um, But that's why. So I became that person. But I did some pretty great stories anyway after that. And and you made some money at Eyewitness News, right? Weren't you the highest paid non-anchor? I was the first million dollar reporter. I went a million dollars was really a lot of money. But it it still took me three years to pay off my college debt. Uh, you know, I had no, nothing. In my my family was, you know. Your dad was in the diner. Business. My dad was in a diner. when diner went broke. I was the short order cook in uh, Massapequa. Yeah, I mean, let's the, just. The, look, that's we, where I, I met Al D'Amato and a lot of the. Republicans. I don't have enough time to go into to everything, but you basically started from nothing. I mean, your dad yeah. was the the total American dream story. I, I less than nothing. I started from debt. <laughs> we had to get a debt. Yeah, and now, family debt and personal debt. Let's talk debt. about, um, you know, I know you love to get fired. So let's talk about how did, how did the Eyewitness News thing end? Well, Eyewitness News became ABC Network. Okay. Uh, that, I mean, I, I went from being a local reporter at Eyewitness News to once Willowbrook happened and then the follow-up to Willowbrook, was, which uh, another story, the littlest junkie about infant neonatal addiction. I was, I was famous enough that they put me on a national show. For the first time. How many Puerto Ricans were on national How news? many Puerto Ricans were even local news? There was one, Gloria Rojas. I was, the, I was the first man, first Puerto Rican man on local news. But then I became a network person. I got Good Night America. It was my late night, 90-minute, every other week talk, uh, talk show. I called it the Second Generation TV News Magazine. That's where I put the Zapruder film. That's where all the rock stars went. Uh, that's where all of my confrontations with the thugs and the you know the other uh, you know uh, in, in terms of really fighting uh, with the the, the neo Nazis the skinheads. But you were still on hate the, mongers. You were still on regular ABC. I was on ABC local news. Then I went to ABC network news. Then Good Morning America started. I was on the inaugural cast of Good Morning America. And who was on that cast with you? Uh, David Hartman, Nancy Dussault, Frank Gifford, Howard Cosell. What kind of guy was Howard Cosell? A great guy. Very, very thoughtful. A lot like uh, Bill O'Reilly. You know, very confident, overconfident, very much uh, believing that the world rotates around them. But uh, but people that you want to And Frank Gifford? A wonderful, wonderful, big-hearted person. And remember, as a Giants fan at that time. So he was a, it was a, not only, and Jim Bouton also joined that team. And out in the great Yankee pitcher. When did you, in this period of time, when did you get married to Cece? Uh, Cece was much later. Cece was in the, uh, we had started after Good Morning America, 2020 started. Okay. I was on the first cast of 2020, the inaugural cast of 2020. I became the senior producer and senior correspondent on 2020. That was my most legitimate job, the eight years I spent at 2020, ABC News 2020. Did you make some good money there? I make plenty of money. You know, millions and, uh, you know, traveled everywhere. I had absolute freedom. Did but you didn't have that moniker as the war guy at that point, correct? No, although I had been in plenty of wars already. I had already done uh, the Yom Kippur War, the coup in Chile, uh, all the civil wars in Central uh, and South America, uh, the Philippines Civil War. Lebanon, I've been to Lebanon, uh, Israel numerous times. When did you become? 
become a father in all of this? Became a father for the first time. My son Gabriel, born 1979. So I was already nine years famous and already, uh, how old would I be? Uh, deep in my 30s by the time I had my first child. And how were you able to balance being a dad and being all over the world? Well, the question is whether I did successfully balance it. I look back and I think, was I too selfish? Was I too self-centered to be a good enough dad? I mean, I wonder now if I don't, you know, how I am with my children, if I don't, you know, bend over backwards to make up for the years where I wasn't available to them or to their moms and, and still being so selfishly and self-centered in terms of my social life. That's why the marriages were always doomed for my, uh, my philandering. You know, it took me a long time to grow out of it. Well, I only know the non-philandering marriage. Well, you know, I, you know, How many years time? have you been with Erica now? Uh, 21. Wow. Oh, 22. Sorry, 22 years. You know, sober, clean and sober. And I you know, put it all, and, and not in the alcohol sense. No, no, no. Yes, yeah, I'm very well aware. Personal. So, so but, but just to make sure the record is clear, Geraldo Rivera, I've been to more of your family events than I can count. And all five of your children are almost always present unless they're doing something very significant. Right. And I love them all. So how have you, you know, looking back now, how have you kept it all together? I mean, there's they're no, all there. There's no substitute from being there and being there for them when they have a crisis in their life or when they have something to celebrate or when I have something to celebrate. I feel the strength of the family. My, my dad was one of 17 children from Guayamon, Puerto Rico. That's a number. He was a sugarcane you know, workers. Uh, my dad was the first one to graduate high school. He was the first one to come to the United to the States. He had, ended up bringing many of his siblings to work with him in the cafeteria. What was your relationship with him? Like? My dad? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love my dad. I honored my dad. That's well, hold on. But a lot of people love their dad and don't have a good relationship with their dad. No, I had my dad was not that person. My dad, when when I did something wrong, when I screwed up something, my dad would never yell at me or hit me or anything like that. He'd be disappointed in me. I remember once me and my friend Frankie, we stole some tires <laughs> off a 1955 Uh and They didn't even fit my car. I just stole them because they were. I was in that phase at that time, stealing Frankie was an Italian-American, by the way. Frankie DiCecco. I <laughs> loved him. He died of uh, brain cancer. Uh, so uh, when the detective came to my... Well, my dad took me. He said, you have to go to the precinct with me. So we went to the precinct, and we, and we went into the detective bureau, and the tires that I had stolen were there in the detective's office. So right away, I knew that they had caught me, that, I, that we, were, we were busted. Me and Frankie were busted. And my dad didn't yell at me. He, he just was so disappointed. He was so hurt that I swore then I would never steal anything again. It just it cured me in the way that the, you know, the philandering was cured. The, you know, I'd never, I would, I'd never again yeah, well, from those teenage years. I will years. tell you, Uncle Geraldo, uh, Lou Idala had a little bit of a different philosophy. It involved a belt and my backside. But yeah. it's, a, yeah, it's different strokes. I know. Did you discipline your kids? Never. I, I learned from my dad. Never. You know, maybe in all of my years, I, I lost my temper two or three times, never touching them or anything like that, but always feeling humiliated and embarrassed, embarrassed by it. Uh, that why, how could you lose your temper with your child and where's that going to lead us? No, I, I look, I, I'm dealing with a, a nine month old to a 16 year old. So I, I try to hold my, my tongue. Um, what about your mom? She just passed away relatively recently. My dad was the stereotypical. He was a Puerto Rican gentleman. He wanted the American dream. He was, uh, you know, mannered in the Latino mode. He was a, a, a like a real. He was very, very 
stereotypically Latino. My mom was just as stereotypically a Jewish lady from Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So my mom was a stereotype. My dad was a stereotype, you know, and two very, very different cultures, except for the loving and the children. And, you know, this growing up, did you know anyone else who had that background? The same as you? When we moved from Williamsburg to West Babylon, I was not only in West Babylon, the only Jew. I was also the only Puerto Rican. <laughs> so it, it couldn't even be like we, growing up, you want to emphasize one side or the other. You want to polish up your your background. You want to make your family bigger. I, I, I couldn't. I was I was stuck between two stereotypes, that, both of which were unpopular. Obviously, you had an excellent relationship with your mom. I love my mom. I know. Right, mom right, right. And, and you're going to follow in right her footsteps, the right? End. 99? Right to, right was that the, the number? Right. Almost 99. Almost 99. Can, I, but, can uh, you sign the contract that uh, I hear uh, that you're going to give us until almost 99, Geraldo? Uh, 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 that's too long. All right, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come right back with Geraldo Rivera. All right, tonight at 7, it's another Fun Friday edition. Christine Nicholas, Kevin McCullough, Radio Night Live, and we hope that you'll tune in. We've got some great reports to update you on, particularly as it deals with those kids that were victims of 9-11. I hope that you'll be with us tonight at 7. So in life, throws you uh-ohs. Just say. Go to Mako.com for an online estimate today. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Dan owed an unbelievable amount of money to the IRS. I got behind on my taxes. It's a horrible feeling. He was in denial. And when I got those letters from the IRS, you wanted to act like they didn't exist. Finally, Dan turned to Optima Tax Relief, the leading tax resolution firm. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, they've resolved over $1 billion for their clients. Optima got me a settlement with the IRS. These people are really people-friendly. It was every bit of a new lease on life for me. The fast action and the great results made Dan's head spin. I felt like I was in a dream, but it's real, and I have paperwork to prove it. They got the job done, and life is good. For tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. If you're worried about what's going to happen with the IRS, stop worrying. Make the call now. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. A journey to Israel this November will impact you forever. Join Sebastian Gorka, Dinesh D'Souza, and our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, for 10 life-changing days. Register today at StandWithIsraelTour.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. 
We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. We're here with Geraldo Rivera, who has me on the edge of my seat with every word that comes out of his mouth. People have seen you outside, and, and you walk with a cane now. And people ask, "What happened to Geraldo? What happened to Geraldo?" No, I've come that, up with every. I, I said you, I don't like going out. I said you jump out of a plane, and, and the parachute didn't open, and you survived. The, the uh, helicopter went down. <laughs> but why don't you tell folks what happened? We humped a lot of uh, a lot of hills and dales with big combat packs on. You know, I did eleven assignments in Afghanistan, eleven assignments in Iraq, every other uh, you know all uh, in between. Excuse my language. I had back surgery. You also put your motorcycle 10, 11, down, right? 12, yeah. I dropped my motorcycle a few times. The back surgery was, anyway, it was, a, it, it was not successful. And it actually did more harm than good. You know, so I have a, I have a, like a, a drop foot. My right foot is drop foot. And then, then I have, you know, just arthritis from But you're days. still. I, well, I'm still I, cute. You, not only are you cute, I go visit you and you're like, okay, we're going to go for a bike ride and then we're going to yeah, go swimming yeah, and then we're going to do calisthenics. Yeah, stop moving, you die. Okay. I, I, well, thank you, Uncle Geraldo, because I'm having a nine month old. I want to go, I want to go to your mother's age and keep be. Keep doing push ups. I want to get I do. I did 50 today with, 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 with uh, the, the general inside. We were talking about important people in your life. We spoke obviously about your father and your mother. Let's fast forward. Talk about your relationship with Donald Trump. Well, I met Donald Trump. I think I'm. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that because I know his dad was there, Fred was there. I met Donald Trump at my engagement party to Francine. I'm almost positive that's where the relationship started. It certainly so give me, started. Give me a, a year. 1976. About. Oh my goodness! When he was just starting the Commodore Hotel, he was doing the makeover of the Commodore, which was a, a rat trap. Uh, you know, a, a, a whores and junkies and. On 42nd Street, it became the Hyatt. He became the Grand Hyatt. And that was Trump's, oh, as far sure. as I know, his first job in Manhattan. He was a Queens based right. developer. His dad, Fred, and Sam Lefrak were partners, or not partners, rivals, but not bitter rivals. Okay. And so that's uh, so where I met. That's when I met Trump. I and met right in that period. You fast forward, and, and we kind of grew up together in that sense. You were on The Apprentice, his big show. Yeah, his last season of The Apprentice, 2015, the months before he announced for president. I was on The Apprentice with him. And you, raised took, the, you raised the most money. I raised the most money, and he took very good care of me. Now, listen. He really. He, you know, his whole, his whole line on that show was, you're fired, right? Yeah. People may not pick up on it, but I did. When you were one of the two finalists, you and Lisa Gibbons, right? right. He didn't say, Geraldo, you're fired. And it's the only time he didn't say it. Right. He said, Lisa, you're the, you're you're the Apprentice, hired. whatever it you're is, hired. whatever it is. So I know, you know you've, you've had a, a good run with him. I have a real soft spot for Donald, and people have to know that I really respected him. I, I, although he had plenty of things to criticize, he also had accomplishments that he's not credited for. And the liberal elite went after him. In a way that was very, very unfair. They they tried to impeach him from before he was even elected, uh, and and he he wasn't the guy that he wasn't the Russia Russia guy. That wasn't that wasn't his style. I mean, was he un, in, unconventional? Was he at times uh, abrupt and rude? And locker room talk. Locker room. But uh, you know, just growing up the way I grew up, I, I forgave a lot from him. So, Harold, if you look at like a graph. Like you started off in the set. But I would never back him again. I just have to quickly add that when he decided, I spoke to him November 13th, 2020, 10 after days the after the election, and we had a conversation. And he told me that he was going to be 
reasonable. He was a realist. I interpreted that to mean that he was going to, because there's already questions about whether or not he was going to honor the results of the election. I thought he was after the conversation, but then into the month of November, he started hanging out with like Sidney Powell and Mike Lindell and all these other knuckleheads. And the result is that uh, he totally, uh, to, in my view, polluted his wonderful record that would have been so easy to run on in 2024 uh, instead of uh, stabbing the Constitution in the back. So when you, I'm listening to Geraldo Rivera talking about Donald Trump in, in very positive fashion. So in the 70s, 60s, 70s, you know, you're like a, a liberal guy. And then, you know, you get labeled with you're the Fox News guy. So now you're like a right wing guy is in people's minds accurately or inaccurately. And here you are speaking positively about Donald Trump. But now you're this one of the stars of the number one show on cable television, The Five. And on that show, you're sitting in the seat previously held by Beckel, Bob Beckel, who was a major Democrat, Juan Williams, who's our buddy, who's a fantastic man, who's a major left guy. And now you're sitting in the left seat. I share with Jessica Tarlow. So how does that transition happen for Geraldo? Here's the guy who's sitting in the left seat who's speaking glowingly of Donald Trump. It's... uh but I do, and I feel that I feel what I feel about Trump. I I like him as a person. I just would never ever back him again. He, you know, he and I broke up when he decided to dishonor the Constitution, in my view. So he really committed a. a it, if you did it, Arthur, I would still love you, but I would never be able to back you. It's just friendship goes so far. Uh, you know, in our crew, our milieu. We are very forgiving of the people that we love. We understand that they're not perfect, but we still... You're always rooting for the underdog. That too. Uh, And when Trump became the underdog, I I rooted for him uh, when they went after him with that Russia, Russia baloney. But what he did, it it was not... It was uh, intolerable. It was not uh, sustainable. I I just... I really... I I skeeved it, if you know that word. Let's talk about Fox News. What year did you start there? Uh, November 2001. People who are my, my age, and that's in the mid-50s, they've asked me several times to ask you about the whole uh, Al Capone, uh, <laughs> the Al Capone episode in your life. Tell us a little bit about where the Al Capone vault came from and, you know, what that whole period of, of it was so hyped and then kind of <laughs> didn't have too much uh, to give when the vault was open. We had... I had a uh, relationship with Rune Arlich, the creator of ABC. Uh, you know, he, Rune Arlich brought me to the network, to the network news. Uh, so Rune and I had a great 15-year run at ABC. And then uh, we had a fight. The fight was Rune killed a story that was about the, uh, the relationship Marilyn Monroe had with Bobby Kennedy, John Kennedy, and various mobsters. That was the story that was done. Sylvia Chase was the reporter. Rune Arledge killed that story. I said, why did you kill that story? Did you kill that story because you're friends with Ethel Kennedy? So is this a cover-up? Did you spike that story? Anyway, that got in People magazine. Rune saw it. He was what the, kind of People magazine? Th- that story that I was criticizing Rune for killing the story on Kennedy and Marilyn. That got in People magazine. Rune was so angry at me, wouldn't speak to me anymore. And basically, I had a contract that I had not signed because I had always had every three years I get a contract. I never signed it. It just wasn't. Anyway, so I got fired. So I was fired. What am I going to do? I'm now fired. 
So Craig, who's here, my brother and I, I said, okay, we're going to sail around the world in my 44-foot celebration. Real quick, boat. how do you get fired? Does you get a phone call? Yeah. Does someone call yeah, you in? It's a big, big fight, and then you're going to sue you, you're going to sue you, and then you end up doing a cash settlement. And uh, Oh, so you walked away with a little guilt. Yeah, but not a lot. It's considering that I was the sole support of a very large network of uh, needy people. So anyway, I'm in... The Panama Canal, Craig and... So you're sailing around the world on Voyager. Sailing around the world on... No, this is the predecessor to Voyager. This is my 44-footer. Voyager was the 70-footer that I did successfully sail around the world. The 44-footer, I'm in the Panama Canal. I get a call from this group in Chicago, the Tribune Company. They said they had discovered in Al Capone's old headquarters in the Hotel Lexington in South Chicago, the vault where they believed that Capone secreted... His ill-gotten gains, weapons, maybe corpses. So they had the idea of opening this vault, so-called, on live television. And I, I, you know, I had been fired. I was the most famous unemployed person in the in America, maybe the world. I said, "How much?" They said, "Twenty-five thousand a month, or twenty-five thousand for the gig." I said, "Give me fifty thousand because that was my one-month nut. I needed fifty thousand to cover my expenses." And I flew to Chicago from Panama leaving the boat and Craig in the Panama Canal. They went on to Los Angeles without me. So I w went there and I worked for a month on the documentary about the mob. And we did the hour documentary, which was great, and people loved it. And then the one-hour opening of the vault live on television, the highest-rated... Well, I go ahead. Highest-rated... Highest-rated syndicated show in history, still. And what was it? What was your feeling in your gut when you opened it? I wanted to kill myself, or bury myself in the hole. I was humiliated, and uh, it was with Cece. And uh, we went back to the hotel, the Hyatt in Chicago. I didn't take any calls. Do not disturb. I had they ordered breakfast the next day. So uh, old black man was the server, like the guys you see in like the old railroad cars. Sure. So the old guy was a server. He comes pushing in the car, and he sees me all in the blue, and he said. You know, don't worry. They're not going to blame you. It wasn't your fault that the vault was empty. Right. And so that was a tremendous relief. And then he handed me a fistful of messages. I had 22 job offers from the show that I had humiliated myself. No one gave a shit about that. The ratings were way higher than the World Series. Or we beat actually in Chicago. We beat the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl that year. We had a higher rating than the Chicago. So what year was eighty five? Eighty six. Okay, right, right. The January eighty six is when they went to the Super right. Bowl, right? So, um, which job did you take? I took they. Uh, we did a series of specials for the same company that produced Al Capone, the Tribune Company, and then they decided to partner with Paramount to put me in the talk show business. So that's where the Geraldo Show started, and that's when it was Sally Jesse Raphael, Phil Donahue. Right. Was Oprah around yet? Oh, no? it was Phil first. Oprah second, Regis, then me. I was the fourth one in. And then the Maury Povich came later, Jerry Springer came later and And that was some there was some real money when you go doing oh, there was a money tree growing in the backyard for that one, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna wrap up here, but we're gonna come right back with Geraldo Rivera. Hello. You're gonna love this one. 
Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-2700. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. When you can't stop, <coughs> there's Vicks VapoRub. Vicks VapoRub sends powerful medicated Vicks vapors right to the source of your... <coughs> so you can experience cough relief and breathe easier. Generations of families have trusted Vicks VapoRub to help relieve the worst cold symptoms. So next time you have a cough, reach for the Vicks VapoRub. Vicks VapoRub. Cough relieving is believing. Do you want to send your child to a Christian school but are overwhelmed by the cost? Then AM970 The Answer's discount tuition program may be right for you. The discount tuition program is a way for parents to send their children to a quality Christian school at half the cost of the annual tuition. We've partnered up with some of the leading schools in the New York, New Jersey metro area to help parents to reduce the costs and still have their children receive a quality, faith-based education. Here are just a few of the participating schools. Gateway Academy, Upper Room Christian School, Bergen County Christian Academy. You can see the full list of participating schools at am970theanswer.com. AM970 The Answer is also offering each school the opportunity to promote their school with a full radio advertising campaign. For more information on how you can send your children to a Christian school at half the cost of the annual tuition or how you can get your school enrolled in the program, go to am970theanswer.com or call 212-857-9630. That's 212-857-9630. Kevin McCullough is next. On AM 970, The Answer. Okay, here we are back with Geraldo Rivera. So, because I, I know you got to go soon because you, you got to prepare, but right. of all of these gigs, looking back, I mean, it's 50, how many years? I know you, you've you been on... 52. Okay. Which was the most fun? Well, you know, when you lived that talk show life and i was doing i was taping two talk shows a day i was taping six shows six talk shows a day plus i had my nice hold show, on hold on you Rivera were doing Lock. six a day six a week a week okay yeah. two uh, uh, two a day three days six okay. six a week so i did six daytime shows plus five live rivera lives from cnbc so i was i was on top of the world 
I had more money than I could count. I had a beautiful staff surrounding me. I was like a, a you know, a, a and you're, Raja. you're still married to Cece at that point? Yes, but that was the end of it. I mean, that that's where it, it floundered in that in that period. So it's fair to say your relationship with Gabriel, your oldest, and your relationship with Soul are night and day in terms of time spent. And- well, it, it's yes, Soul was yeah, that's know, his baby, my baby, <laughs> uh, beautiful you know, young lady, and you you. I we talk every day. How you feeling? This that I, I mean. Oh, you look good. That's nice. How's golf? How's uh, school? You know, you're all you over. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. see with my own eyes. Yeah, and I love and and Gabriel was uh, you know he he and his mom basically separated when he was two three. But we maintained a relationship. I know. We as have, I we said, have a deep you, love. You guys are you know you're always there, and that's your first grandchild. Yeah. yeah. Worst guest that you ever had an interview? Like, who turned out to, to be just a jerk to you? Jimmy Kahn and uh, Elliot Gould. They were together. They were making a movie. I was guest hosting Good Morning America, where I told you I was on the founding cast. And they, they just stiffed me. They were rude to me. They didn't answer my questions. They pretended they didn't hear me on live TV. I was, and I'm the guest host of uh, you know a big morning show. But they were such punks. And I... I that's why it was so easy to answer the question. Yeah, it, I, it rolled off your tongue. It, it, because it, I'm still pissed off at them, and it's 45 years ago. Was there anyone you were excited to interview, and it, they just turned out to be a disappointment, not really a great interview? I think when someone is not a great interview, it's because they don't have a great interviewer. I oh. think you can get everybody to talk, anybody to talk. Uh, that, that's, that's a great, good one. Um, the one you were most nervous about, like, oh, boy, I'm interviewing... Charles well, the, the, pres- the presidents, I guess. Which presidents did you interview? I interviewed H.W., Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter. Let me see. Of course, Al Gore, but that doesn't count because he didn't make it. Uh, Trump, of course, multiple times. Uh, like that. Obama never gave me an interview. Obama never gave me an interview? Never. He, I, I, I joked at the end of his second ten, uh, term that he would give uh, an interview to the Dog Food Channel before he gave it to me. By then, I was at Fox. Right, right, right. Is there a... Um Oh, yeah, because uh, remember? Uh, Dershowitz. Dur- yeah, we were going to the Dershowitz's party. party, and Obama was coming. He heard you were coming, and he bailed out. But that right. shows you what Allen is. Uh, he didn't say anything to Geraldo saying, well, maybe if you didn't come. Allen is a friend of mine. Oh, he's a friend of ours. Um, which is the interview you never got that you really wanted to get? Oh, boy, that I never got. You know, in my, I, I met Elvis a couple of times because Jerry Weintraub did his road shows at Sinatra couple of times again Sinatra came to my book party at the Friars Club I would have liked to interview both those they both had a big effect on my life Sinatra first then Elvis how did Sinatra have an effect on your life because then you wanted to be cool I wanted to be cool oh you mean as a okay lifestyle lifestyle wise and Elvis was you know so sexy and everyone loved you know Elvis blending like it was almost like uh, blending the races Elvis it was such a magnificent diplomat for just rock and roll yeah well i saw springsteen on broadway and he basically credits elvis with making him and, and springsteen Spring- was a great friend also springsteen was my great and my neighbor in new jersey really let's see see that see that, and john bon jovi too that's i knew about bon jovi but I, this is why i love hanging out with this no, guy they, because they, they, i didn't know the all springsteen. kids together at rumson country day school so i might as well tell this on to my wife now um springsteen's playing in italy in May. Oh, uh, so I'm I'm going. Uh, well, how was the Stones in Paris? Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, oh, tell me if they were fantastic. Tell the story about how you met, met the first time you met Mick Jagger. Oh, the first time I met it was a pretty funny story. I was living in uh, 
my original home, 115 Avenue C. You could go be a tourist and see the, uh, the you know, the landmark uh, three-story building that my first house I bought for $37,000. But I used to have great parties there. I was uh, Eyewitness News. I had done Willowbrook. So I was the talk of the town. And that we'd have wonderful parties at the house. So this buddy of mine, Louis Martins, a Panamanian, friends with a ballet dancer who was friends with Rudolf Nureyev, who was a ballet dancer from Russia who defected. So Nureyev was hanging out with Mick Jagger, you know, so he the number one rocker, the number one uh, uh, ballerina. premier ballet, not a ballerina, he's a ballet dancer. So Nureyev, Jagger, both start hitting on me, and they make like a Geraldo sandwich, and Jagger's joking to Nuriev, oh, you know, he's never gone this way. This is his first time. And they, they like playing with me there. And How'd you handle it, G? How'd you succumb? I, I, you succumb? I, I did not. But if I was going to, that would have been the night. That was it, huh? <laughs> uh, did you ever have an encounter with, did you interview Mick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, plenty of times. So I heard that he's a little bit of a tough interview because he's he's not very self-centered. He doesn't really like talking about himself that much. Well, he's, you know, he's such a big star and he doesn't have to promote anything. So a lot of his incentive is is uh, he Jagger saw right through any kind of false camaraderie. He wouldn't let uh, you know he I wanted to be his chum, and he was always suspicious. Uh, and the interviews when we started going in that personal direction, he kind of pulled back, or he was too cool for school. But he gave enough. You know, you asked me about tough interviews. He gave enough that it was important enough. Now, was that in the 80s when you interviewed him or the 70s? Both, 70s and 80s. That, now, you didn't have that relationship. And with, Michael Jackson, of course. Okay, we're talking about Geraldo Rivera. You did not have that relationship with George Harrison or, or John Lennon. No, Weren't jo- you much George, co- closer to them? I was much closer to John Lennon. Uh, you started with George Harrison, didn't it? It started with, I met George first. George and Ringo. I read first. exposing myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan Klein, the uh, the head of Apple Records, had his uh, his villa in the Hudson River in River Riverside, uh, Riverdale. Uh, so that's where we met for the first time. And then they introduced me to John, and the John and Yoko called me after they saw Willowbrook on TV, and they said, "What can we do to help?" And you went to their apartment in Greenwich Village, right? Right. You, yeah. you saw Yoko on the you, bed. You saw Yoko naked, right? <laughs> It's in the book. Come on, bro. I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm not it's, it's, it's all over the book. I'm still friends with Yoko. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, well, excuse me. I, I'm part of that. But they actually helped you raise a lot of money at the concert we at Madison Square a, Garden, we right? We did a concert for the one-to-one charity. One-to-one meaning each developmentally disabled person needs an able-bodied person as their chum, their friend. They need to have relationships. So anyway, we sold it out twice, and we had a big... Festival because in, the in Beatles the had broken up. Beatles had broken and up. And this was they, Lennon, one of his first, or the, his first? His like, last recorded, rehearsed concert of his life. And let's talk about the charity, because you have the charity that still goes on Life's over there. Work. Yep. Talk about it a little bit. Well, when I was saying, I, what the solution to the institutional life of the developmentally disabled is, as normal a possible environment you can create, and you can't do it in big institutions. It's got to be very small, four, five, six, seven people, individuals in a, in a home, amply staffed 24-7, where they get job training, where they get education, where they get you know, to live as free a life as they possibly can. We've opened 50 of the homes in New York so far, thanks to Vicki Schnepps, the visionary. The best. Uh, I'm going uh, tomorrow to Willowbrook to commemorate the Willowbrook Mile around what's now the College of Staten Island. So it's very, very near and dear to me. I, I, you know, I got uh, Bill O'Reilly and Hannity 
raise Give me a bunch 50 of money. grand uh, each a year. Uh, you know, so we we do we do well for that population. Well, that's the thing about Geraldo Rivera. He does well for everyone around him. His his generosity and I, I'm besides his financial generosity. He's so generous with his time, his uh, experience, his wisdom. Um, Geraldo, I'm going to let you go. But, you know, every once in a while, you brought it up with Erica. And by the way, your marriage to Erica, it really, I know, I'm aware. And it really is an inspiration. Uh, Just for folks who know, who don't know, like when Erica leaves the table or comes back from the ladies room, like Geraldo still rises. I mean, he really treats her like a, a... a princess and it's a little you know i'm not in your league i I try (laughs) i'm just not in your league i'm not as much of a gentleman as you are although i try but you referred that you know you told her a hundred years from now she has to say something when you're not not here anymore what should geraldo rivera be known for as a war correspondent as the willowbrook guy as as a dad as a as a mentor as a, a puerto rican pioneer as Craig, the guy who showed your brother Craig a lot of good times, which we're definitely not allowed to talk about on the air. The what words? I mean, if you ask Dershowitz, I mean, he would want to come out and say he was, he was a great lawyer. He was a great advocate for people who were the underdogs. Crusader, correspondent, tough Jurican. <laughs> tough Jurican. And since I'm on the radio, you had a stint in radio up until recently. Compare being a TV star and a radio star. Radio is wonderful, and it's very, very intimate, and uh, it's very powerful. But it also, it takes, you know, you have to bear your soul every single day, which is very taxing. You know, uh, and I, I'm sick of getting up early. Oh, that's why I gave up my show. It, what, is one more difficult than the other? Is the skill set one to the other? or Well, one you have to get dressed for. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't think the job is that different. You, maybe you have to paint the picture a little more vividly on radio than yeah. you do uh, on TV. You know, having been on Fox as long as I was, people correct. They're not. They're, you're splitting a human being's visual and auditory skills when you're on TV. But when they're on radio, they're they're only listening to what you're saying. And as you just told me, because of your significant prep for the five, you like you can't make up specific facts. You and can't. I, I I found it was a little easier to tap dance on television than it was on radio. Well, I, I got to go tap dance now. I know. Listen, Uncle Geraldo, thank you so much for spending this time with us. This is a very special edition of the Author Idala Power Hour with Uncle Geraldo Rivera, the internationally known. What am I supposed to say? Interviewer? Jurican? What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to say? Correspondent and Crusader. All right. Correspondent and Crusader. Thanks so much, folks. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.